Welcome to In Conversation, the podcast that fuels your entrepreneur spirit. Brought to you by Inhomoko. We deliver thought-provoking conversations with industry leaders, game changers, and unsung heroes, all making an impact in their communities and shaping the future of business. Let's grow together and transform the world, one business at a time. It's great to have you, Fatima and Liz, joining In Conversation. And I've had a chance to read your bios and the incredible work that you are doing uh, in Africa and in Rwanda, especially. So just to get us started off, could you introduce yourselves and share your journey into your respective sectors? So hello, everyone. I am Fatima Soleiman. I am the founder and CEO of Mr. Roof Rwanda. I have been operating this business for the last almost year and a half now. And basically what we do is we provide innovative solution uh, for roofing across the entire value chain from production to installation and uh, like training of teams of installers. I have been in this journey of construction for the last five years. Um, but I've been an entrepreneur for more than that. Most people will ask me if, if I have a background in, uh, in design uh, as an architect or engineer, but I am simply uh, an entrepreneur who's identified a solution for a problem in the construction sector. I'm mainly in construction, but you know I deal with design and real estate since you know these three sectors are quite interrelated. So I'm very excited to be on this podcast and uh, I'm excited to be able to share my inputs based on my experience in the industry. Thank you so much, Fatima, for that uh, great introduction. Uh, Over to you, Lisa. Uh, Thank you. Uh, I'm glad to be here. So my name is Lizzie Sarakatanglia. I'm an architect. Uh, I'm uh, also uh, founder of African Female Architects, which is an initiative that that works as a startup hub and a magazine that uh, highlights and celebrates the achievements of African female architects on the continent and the diaspora. On my own personal side, I'm a lead uh, principal architect uh, at Creatu, which is a multidisciplinary design firm studio that specializes in uh, graphic design, architectural sculptures uh, projects. On another note, I'm a lead architect at Atelier, which is a design firm that is currently leading its first building in uh, Norskam. So it's uh, the phase three of Norskam. I'm foreseeing the construction to its completion. Besides being an architect, I work as an educator. Yeah, basically. Thank you, Liz. It's amazing to have people who are leading in spaces like you are. And also important to have someone who's actually highlighting the stories of uh, these amazing people who are doing amazing work. So at Inhomoko, we've taken an advocacy approach to empower entrepreneurs, and particularly from those underrepresented communities. You founded Africa Female Architect to bring attention to the accomplishments of often overlooked women in architecture. So as an architect and illustrator, uh, you've been practicing since 2016. You've definitely faced uh, various challenges in the field. Could you just shed some light or share with us these challenges and how you navigated through them? So one of the earliest challenges I faced, let's say, as a young graduate 
was having uh, role models who would share their authentic experiences in navigating the field, knowing the challenges. Being a, a young architect trying to be narcissist as well, who was entering a field where those who had already made themselves a name had already taken over the market. So, or simply just there being too many graduates who wanted the same equal chance having, let's say, a meaningful job and just a few architects who are really struggling themselves to stay afloat in a country. Those are just a few challenges overall as a graduate or we face uh, the beginning of our careers. Persevering while building yourself slowly, your skills, also learning how to set yourself apart with what interests you, your own skills set you apart. Uh, I decided, for, for example, at an early stage, to delve into furniture making, to delve into illustration. So one way or another, I could stay a designer when I wasn't working as an architect. So one talent would help me stay busy. What was I gonna be doing? So I had to research, what can I do? Which skill can I learn? Over time, this sets me apart. And when you knock on those doors, you even start realizing, oh, I can actually grow myself, go like lead my own firm because you've grown over time and you have something different to deliver even through those challenges. That's where I started Creature. was working as a furniture designer with offices. I was working as a landscape designer. I was working as a graphic designer for startup companies. So all these things helped me find a little niche of what I can do as a practice. And so basically through those struggles, I was like, well, I can do this, I have this opportunity. Let me take the skills I have and build something. Uh, thank you for that, Liz. Uh, Fatima, you illustrate the significance of establishing strong company values. And at Inhomoko, we also recognize the power of values. Uh, could you elaborate on how values have played a pivotal role in Mr. Roof's first year of operation, and also how you ensure that these values are embodied by the entire organization. I think first, it's very important to define what values are, especially at a personal level. They are an extension of ourselves and they shape our characters. It might be such an abstract idea and not necessarily the most visible thing you'd see about someone, but it most definitely is what motivates their action. So if values are who we are and what we stand for, that means it shapes the person we are striving to become. And in the context of an organization, it means that value is what will give the direction of what the organization wants to be and how it will reach its goals and materialize its vision. When I founded Mr. Roof, I initially introduced five core values because they kind of already embodied what Mr. Roof was. And as we progressed as a team, we collectively introduced two other values. I'll give you like an example or two. We have a value of courage uh, that is really, really important for us, allows us to overcome fear you know, take risks, you know, and fight the battle of having more market share in this very hectic industry. And as some of you may know, construction is definitely not for the faint-hearted. So courage is one of those values that help us establish yourself. But at the same time that we're in this competitive environment, 
we need to ensure that we're preserving our ethics, our moral code. And this is one of those additional values we have integrated, which is integrity. I like how you've defined the values. How do you ensure that everyone within the organization embodies these values? Okay, I mean, that's a very valid question because basically what you're asking me is how do we walk our talk? (laughs) I mean, the good news is values is something that can be learned. It is proven that the power of the group, the collective and the environment can have a significant influence over an individual's behavior. But values is something that can be learned. And us at Mr. Roof, how do we do it? We talk about them constantly. We mention them, we highlight them whenever we see them. And it could look like something like being in a standing meeting and you'd have someone who would compliment a colleague's work and everybody will be saying distinction, which is one of our values. And you might have a colleague who's expressing a challenge he's facing on, let's say, a site or design or on accounting. Um, And instead of saying good luck, we might say something like courage to embody that value of courage to carry him throughout solving his uh, challenge. Another way uh, we do it at management level is that we include it in the evaluation of the employee. So, for example, we assign 50% on performance, which is that employee's objectives, and 50% on culture, which means that you can be the top performer, you can be submitting everything on time. But if your values are not aligned with our culture, so your score will be affected. Let's say you're not being a team player and not sharing with others. So so that means you're not embodying our value of teamwork. And then finally, I would say that another way to make sure values are embodied throughout the entire organization is as a leader, so as a manager, uh, you have to make sure that you lead by example. Let's say you're an operations manager and you're asking accountability from your foreman, from your site technician, but you need to ask yourself, are you being accountable yourself? So I think, yeah, it's, it's values are something that can be learned. And in order to make sure that, that we walk the talk, we need to constantly remind ourselves and you know, it needs to be present throughout every aspect of the organization are very insightful. Liz, you mentioned wanting to, to disapprove the idea that African architects can only be successful if they follow Western methods of training. Uh, what innovative strategies and solutions uh, do you use to shift the stereotype? And if you have examples, could you share these examples of architects or designers who are already challenging these stereotypes? Um. Through African female architects, we highlight women designers and architects, construction solution providers from all types of backgrounds. So it's a hub that helps women connect and put them at the forefront of the design market industry. So we chose storytelling because one way all architects connect is through architectural magazines. That's where we find inspiration. That's where we read about stories. This is where we read about great architects, their achievements, material sourcing. I looked at all of these online magazines and I saw that none of them are actually looking at Africa as a continent. The issues and how we are responding to those issues or even just highlight African architects. The main reason I wanted to take that route of saying you can still be a great architect even if you didn't study in the States or 
in Europe. If you studied in the country, you can be a great designer. There's so many women who are still undocumented uh, in our different magazines who are doing amazing things. For example, we have Linda Vossi, who actually worked on the Apartheid Museum. Her entire school career was before what was during apartheid as an architect, and she's still practicing. It will be hard to find her or hear about her because she doesn't use internet as much, but she has achieved great things. Another great architect I can mention is Leila Badou. She's a founder and director of Grids Architect. She founded the firm with the, an award-winning initiative to upcycle furniture materials. Her background is Master's of Science in Building Technology from Cairo University. She didn't gain experience or was influenced by the, the West to be able to be successful, yet she's leading a great award-winning design firm. Another great example is Catherine Marie Otin. Uh, she's a South African architect who has won numerous awards for South African traditional work. She was born in South, South Africa and studied architecture at the University of Witwatersrand. But she has designed community libraries, waterfront development, art therapies in Soweto. She worked in museum exhibition spaces. Basically, she has won uh, some of the best awards uh, since like 1990s. In 2020, she became the president of the South African Institute of Architects. These are great women who are breaking the stigma around uh, architecture as a practice. And among others, there's so many others. Uh, there's Malika Walele, who has worked on uh, the tallest building in Africa, just at 27. And uh, that's just an example that you don't also have to be at a certain age to achieve great things when you read through these stories. So you you see some of these things, how they're achieved. Solutions are adapted. It's of how you can also apply uh, these tools to become uh, the, the best architect that you want to be. These are incredible examples of women that are doing amazing work in the field of architecture. Fatima, you refer yourself mm -hmm. to a growth strategist. Uh, what does this entail and how does it connect to your role within Mr. Roof? <laughs> That's a very uh, interesting question. It's actually the first time somebody asked me what I mean by growth strategist. The only place of, uh, I have it is on my IG caption. <laughs> so that means you, you've done the right homework. <laughs> but growth strategist, what do I mean? I mean that I'm constantly committed to being in, in that mindset of growth and development and constantly looking for ways to grow further, both at a personal level and at a professional level. I have been on this journey for almost, I would say, four years now. I am starting to see so much improvements in my leadership. And there's still a lot of progress to be done, but because I have developed greater self-awareness with this work. So anytime that my impulsive sides or my ego wants to take over, and that can happen often because I'm a very passionate individual. So whenever that arises and I see myself, you know, getting impulsive, I'm now able to see it coming and I can pause a little. Sometimes I'm, I'm already engaged into the impulsivity, <laughs> but can pause, go within myself and then make a wiser and more rational decision. This emotion intelligence uh, that I've managed to develop 
that helped me understand and manage better my own emotion is also what I use, you know, when I'm dealing with the emotions of others. It helps with building more effective, stronger relationships with my team. And overall, it's, it basically just helps create and foster a healthier work environment. This is what I mean by a growth strategist. Great, great, Fatima. Uh, so both of you have made significant strides in your respective field. What advice would you give to young women and youth who are aspiring to break barriers or shift stereotypes like you have? And how do you foresee the landscape evolving? Are there any specific resources or tools that you would recommend for women who are aspiring to be like you? So one of the best advice I can give to young women who are aspiring to break barriers themselves and uh, shift to stereotypes is, uh, is find people to look up to. Find people who have pushed through these barriers themselves. Depending on, on the barrier, it's up to you to, to, to look at it not as a negative obstacle. Look at it as, as a path to help you create solutions and basically adapt a new environment. Create something out of those barriers that can help you or help others to navigate. And honestly, it's all fields that you're going to find barriers. So how do you take care of them? How do you navigate them? Do you divert your, your, your path or do you engage with the variants? Try to create a solution that will help you and even others. So through those barriers, that's one way for you to create solutions. In terms of specific resources that I can recommend them, there are so many ways you can create and learn how to create, find the niche, find your skills through the struggle. Uh, persevering through these little obstacles is not, it's only, again, one way for you to not just adapt, but to become better. So uh, research beyond what's available currently, research beyond what you see, be inspired to learn from others and create solutions again for yourselves that, that will serve others. Uh, thank you, Liz. I, I do agree. That is valuable advice for young people. Over to you, Fatima. So first of all, I'd like to really acknowledge the fact that we are just so blessed to belong to this generation where women taking up space, asserting themselves at all levels is becoming a societal norm. And we should really give thanks to all those before us who have laid the foundation for us to be able to take women empowerment and gender equity in general to the next level. And I am really witnessing the work that has been done in Rwanda for women empowerment and gender equity. Any other advice or specific resource or tools that I recommend, uh, I'll recommend the same thing as Liz, which is finding people to look up to and mentors and as many as you want. There is this idea of the, you know, the mentee-mentor relationship that's exclusive. That's absolutely not. You can identify mentors and people that you look up to either from the same industry or people who embody values that you want to embody and who portray the person that you want to be. And yeah, take the risk, you know, go to events when you can network with them. Good thing is we're in Kigali, which is becoming, you know, the capital of conferences. And we have conference happening every week. We're able to network with people beyond our geographical barriers from all over the world. People that inspire us, motivate us, 
and uh, yeah, sign up for conferences, approach them, you know, cold email, <laughs> and definitely don't be afraid of rejection. You'll be surprised actually how responsive people you admire would be, you know, to like give you some advice um, and, and help you. All right. Thank you, Liz and Fatima. And just to wrap this up, uh, this was an incredible conversation. Thank you for coming to In Conversation. At Inhomoko, we're dedicated to empowering entrepreneurs across Africa with the tools, resources, and knowledge they need to flourish in today's competitive business landscape. Now we're bringing that passion to this podcast, taking you on a journey through inspiring stories from around the globe.